0: Ready to rock today, Fire Nation. JLD here and welcome to episode 1509 of EO Fire. Right chat with today's most successful entrepreneur seven days a week. And I've created quick, powerful tutorials on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook Live, and more. Fire Nation, skillsonfire.com. Let's chat with our featured guest today, Tim Sanders. Tim, are you prepared to ignite? I
1: am prepared to fire it up.
0: (laughs) I love it. According to Tim, people and innovative business relationships are the next big thing. This former Yahoo executive has launched companies, built brands, and now runs a media services company specializing in business trends, new media, and human behavior. He's the author of Love is the Killer App the likability factor, today we are rich, and deal storming. He's passionate about the power of great relationships. Tim, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro, and give us just a little glimpse of your
1: personal life. I've been a thrill seeker most of my professional career, meaning I go to work for entrepreneurs and industries that aren't quite prime time yet. In the 1980s, I was employee number 87, at Southwestern Bell Mobile Systems, which was a startup that was introducing a new product called Cellular Phones. (laughs) Before that, they were called Trunk Phones, really small, addressable market. Uh, By the way, our product didn't work. It was overpriced. We were 10 years early, and we changed the world. It was really exciting. (laughs) And as if I wasn't a glutton for punishment in 1997, I quit a very, very good mid-six-figure job. To sit on a stack of phone books and work for entrepreneur Mark Cuban in Dallas, Texas, at his company Audionet, which later became Broadcast.com. And since then, I've continued to be a repeat offender, uh, joining what I felt were game changers that were just a click or two early. And along the way, uh, my company, Deeper Media, has really figured out how to research the intersection between human behavior, technology, innovation, and human relationships and the human experience. Uh, and that's something I find myself talking about a lot on the lecture circuit and talking about a lot with my researchers. And that's something I'm excited about.
0: Tim, that's why I was fired up to have you on the show today, because you have been on the forefront for literally decades. I mean, you've been early on some things, you've been right on time on other things, and it's just really exciting to have worked with people like Mark Cuban, you know, just like I know Mark would say it's been exciting to work with people like Tim. I mean, you're just that person that's been there, that's done that, that's seen a lot of really cool things over the years, and you know, now I love how you just ended your entire intro here, which, you know, you gave to me and then I read was... He's passionate about the power of great relationships because after all of that, you know, after three plus decades of what you've done, you bring it back and you end with the power of great relationships. And I just love that. So that's kind of one thing I really want to highlight it and dive into upon your journey that we're going to pull out throughout this interview. But before we do, Tim, listen, let's talk about today for a second because you now have a current area of expertise. So, Kind of like pull that out for us, unpack that, tell us what your current area of expertise is, and then give us like one value bomb, like a tip, a tool, a tactic that entrepreneurs need
1: to know that probably don't for any number of reasons. I have a unique point of view that great networkers, you might call them super connectors, they give, networking for them isn't a shortcut. Networking isn't something they do to get funding or to achieve more logos or whatever. Great networkers are always trying to put people together that should meet and expecting nothing in return. And I'll tell you, this is important because when you adopt this perspective, the size and the stature of your network will explode because people will trust you if you're truly generous with them, especially when it comes to networking issues. People are so jaded that every time somebody's, I'm doing air quotes here, networking with them, what they're really doing is they're screening them to see if they're of any use or value to them. So here's my unique tip and tactic. It's actually a three-pronged idea. Number one, ask a question that leads to an opportunity to help. Don't ask people, what do you do? Ask people, what is your passion project? What's the thing you're doing right now that's exciting? I know you do that for the podcast, but we should do it in conversations with strangers. When you ask that question, they will very much want to talk about what they're passionate about. And my second piece of advice is to be quiet. Listen a lot more than you speak, because if you're quiet enough, people will go off that pitch script, as I like to call it and reveal to you obstacles or resource issues that they're facing. And that's where the networking opportunity uh, will be revealed to you. Step number three, act. So if you hear about an issue a person's going through on their passion project or the thing they're working on and you know someone they should meet, I want you to make that something that's, that's very formalized. So when you get that person's card or when you walk away from that person, if you're doing it all digital, I want you to write down name, who they should meet, and give yourself a deadline to make that introduction. When you make the introduction by your deadline, I prefer a great face-to-face over lunch, but that's hard to execute. I love to do a three-way Skype or Hangout. Again, a little bit tough to execute. If everything else fails, you can make these connections by doing a very smart email, where you provide LinkedIn contact for both, and provide a real value proposition for the two of them to make the connection, You take the person you are introducing them to, which is the resource, and you follow up with a phone call saying, I really want you to meet this guy. That will revolutionize the way you network. And if you do this, John, opportunities will fall into your lap for the rest of your life. And that's been my experience over 15 years. Fire Nation, pure gold. We're talking the
0: 24 karat kinds. I mean, number one, ask a question, Fire Nation, that leads to an opportunity to help. Think about that. You're asking a question that leads to an opportunity where you can help. And number two, just be quiet. Listen, listen. Don't always try to talk over the person. Or, you know, even worse, what a lot of people love doing is just while the other is talking, you're just thinking about what you're going to say next. You're not even listening to them. And then number three, act act act, tim i love how you broke that down thank you my man absolutely let's kind of move into your journey now as an entrepreneur because it has been diverse it has been full of ups it has had its share of downs and let's talk about one of those downs take us to your worst entrepreneurial moment to date and tell us that story
1: first of all working for an entrepreneur doesn't make you an entrepreneur That's a really important distinction for me, right? So my entrepreneurial journey started after I left Yahoo in 2005. Because up to then I'm working for entrepreneurs but I had a contract for salary which means it wasn't the same ball game at all. I didn't own failure at whatever level so it wasn't the same ball game at all but in 05 when I leave Yahoo and I found deeper media, I went on a spring of entrepreneurial projects from very expensive product launches a PBS television special whatever but in 2010, I had an idea along with a person I knew named Alan about a very disruptive startup in the publishing industry. Uh, by 2012, we founded the startup. It was called NetMinds. We did it um, with our own money um, and one angel investor for 150k. Our whole concept was to create a solution to self-publishing. We thought of it as team publishing, and we went out to develop software um, that would make it very easy for an author to take their 80% of self-publishing royalties and digitally award that to everyone who joins their team to edit or to design or to market and to promote. When you think about it, it's a pretty interesting idea, and it really did disrupt traditional publishing because we could attract people like Nolan Bushnell, founder of Atari, who published with us, wrote a book called Finding the Next Steve Jobs. Um, and um, it was a really, I mean, it was a, how could this idea fail, we thought. Yeah, we were first on the scene. I had all the credibility as a New York Times bestselling author. We had a a gold list of board advisors. You know, several of them people like Chris Brogan. Okay, so let me tell you about the worst moment. The worst moment is... 18 months into the startup, um, I've tapped out my savings account at this point of what I could spend against it based on my, or, you know, what I'd taken at, at, at Yahoo. That's how deep we were into it. Mm-hmm. We couldn't raise money. We started out going to all the VCs, and, and one of my board advisors, Vince Thompson, knew everybody in LA, so it wasn't like we didn't have meetings with the VCs. When we went out to meet with the angel investors, which was pretty easy to organize, we were surprised that they just... They had alligator arms, John. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before. Yeah, yeah, but They couldn't get their hands in their pockets to write us a check. They they couldn't deny I had the pedigree. They couldn't deny that we had gotten all this press from TechCrunch to Gizmo. Everybody was writing about net mines. Okay, so here we are. I've got about four weeks of payroll left. And then literally, we're going to be running out of cash. And I'm sitting in front of who I thought uh, was one of the smarter guys. Um, in town, uh, a, a VC investor. It was kind of a, a Hail Mary meeting. And so he asked me the question, can you pivot to video? Can you pivot to video? Um, think about it. We'd spent all this time setting up all this ebook publishing infrastructure with the royalty sharing system that was tied to book. Hey, we, you can't pivot to video. It's like this, this show Silicon Valley. <laughs> we were a book publishing company. And then finally he said something I'd heard a dozen times. He says, listen, the book publishing industry is a dog with fleas. I'd heard that before, and I'd heard that in the movie Wall Street. But it really sunk into me that as an entrepreneur, if you're going to need to raise money, the first question is not what's your big idea. The first question is what's your addressable market? It's all about addressable market when it comes to raising money from really smart people. Here was the problem. If you looked at the addressable market for our business, the biggest net mines could really ever get at a cash yearly basis, say five years out, was about, oh, five to seven million dollars. There's not a VC or angel in the world that's going to put money into what looks like a lifestyle or a family business like that. you got to go out and have an addressable market like, you know, Video where it's not a a small market opportunity, but it's a hundred million dollar opportunity. So that was a really big learning for a guy like me that never had to think about something like addressable market. I focused on what's your innovative idea? How is it connected to your talent and expertise? Can you recruit a team around it? Can you find that alpha customer and create a beta audience? Those are all the blocking and tackling things you think about as an entrepreneur. But if you don't, and here's the punchline, John, If you don't think like an investor from day one, your daddy better fund your startup. Mm. So that's the question I ask now as an investor and a board advisor is I always drill down to the addressable market and I want to know when the entrepreneur considered that at what stage.
0: I love that question, Tim. What is your addressable market? And Fire Nation, step back and ask yourself that question as well. Now, I want to be clear. There's a lot of you that are listening to this and you're saying, wow, like I really need to make sure that my addressable market is going to be appealing to VCs, to angel investors, XYZ. But then, and this is the reality, Tim, a lot of my listeners they want the lifestyle business. I mean, if they could start a business and, and run it whether it was making five to seven million dollars a year, they'd be thrilled,
1: and that's what they want. I hear you, but but to understand the context of that five to seven. Okay, to 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 make five to seven million dollars within five years, we would have had to raise forty million dollars. Okay. You have to understand startup mentality is you raise a bunch of cash to create a huge valuation. So when I worked for Cuban, Cuban raised about $30 million and sold his company to Yahoo two and a half years later, for $5.7 billion. And those investors received anywhere from 50 to one to 2001 on their money. And by the way, while that was the biggest IPO, in dot-com history and the biggest escape, if you will, it wasn't extremely above average in terms of real results. Like the people that I knew that invested in the Facebook back in 05 did about the same. Okay. So when you think like a tech startup, when you say, I want to create a startup that's going to have a big exit someday, that's your entrepreneurial vision. Just understand that No matter what company you're thinking of, you're probably going to have to raise 30, 40 million dollars to get to any meaningful exit for most of these things, except if you're just building an app or something. So sure, if you could create a lifestyle business of five to seven million. And by the way, that's what I'm cooking with myself personally today. I run a lifestyle business that's in that zone of, you know, in the in the in the single millions. Um, uh, But I can tell you later I have – I'm allergic to employees. I I run what's called a zero-employee corporation (laughs) or a ZEC. Um, But we could talk about that later. But here's my point. If you are – if you have an entrepreneurial idea that's going to require multiple rounds of funding, not just something to start. I mean multiple rounds. So NetMinds would have required at least four rounds. A seed, an angel, an A, a B, and and probably a C to get to the exit. If that's your vision, and I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially appers, it is, just start with the addressable market. And please understand the difference between your market and your addressable market. That's the one you can find, outperform competitors in, capture, monetize, and retain. And it's usually a sliver of the market you think your idea has.
0: So Tim, I think that with our listeners right now, if they can just take away exactly what that addressable market means, and again, Fire Nation, that's just not the whole market, It's what you are going to be able to address with your product, with your service, with your app, with your community, fill in the blank. And now for us, Tim, like you've done a great job walking us through that process and now you've created even a different business from that today and I love your, you know, you have um, definitely a lot of things, not against employees, but you're, in a sense, allergic to employees and and I think that's a good way to put things in a certain way because you've been there, you've done that, now you are running the business that you want. So on that note, What are you most fired up about today? Like what gets Tim Sanders up in the morning? What are you excited about?
1: I'm really excited about helping entrepreneurs and B2B sales leaders fix brainstorming. Uh, You know, I spent 15 years between Yahoo and then doing a lot of big game hunting for companies and entrepreneurs. I, I learned a lot about how to fix brainstorming. And when you get stuck in a deal and when you get stuck in an opportunity, if you can build a a wide, think diverse team around that idea, you have a 70% chance to close this issue. Um, And I'm not talking about a few experiences. I've had over a hundred experiences in this realm and we've done two and a half billion dollars of deal flow. So I've seen it. And I'm just so excited to share with people different ways to think about how you build a deal team, how you prepare them for success, how you lead a meeting of a bunch of different people that have a bunch of different agendas. Most importantly, how you do it quickly, because the punchline I've kind of learned about fundraising and or big deal making is that speed is everything. Your only sustainable competitive advantage is solving problems faster than the rate of change. And that's the most important thing to think about. It's all about speed. And if you're on your own, you're slow. Speed is everything, Fire Nation. It's everything. Let me share a story that kind of triggered this, this whole journey for me. Because, I mean, I was doing this consulting. So what I would do is that somebody would be trying to raise $10 million or they're trying to do a $30 million media deal. And I would go in and I would teach them this, this deal storming thing that we did first at Cubans and then at Yahoo about how to create the team and to reduce all the latency and all this other stuff. And I kind of saw it as just a very specific gadget play I had developed that worked for a particular group of people in the Silicon Valley. Then I had a speaking gig about 10 years ago. And the other guy speaking at the event was Ed Catmull, president of Pixar Entertainment. So like back in the green room, I was like totally fanboy with him because I'm telling you, John, Toy Story is like <laughs> my favorite movie right up there with Pulp Fiction yeah. and Ten Commandments. But, but Toy Story is my favorite technical uh, victory in all the movie making business, right? What a brilliant idea. I'm telling you, Ed, what a brilliant idea your guy, John Lasseter, had his VP of creative. Tell a story about a boy and his toys coming of age, but tell it from the toy's point of view and make them more human than human. Um, I said, what a brilliant idea he had to make that little Wally video before that big convention that triggered all the excitement. Steve Jobs, their investor, got excited about making this movie. And so anyway, Catmull cuts me off and said it was a troublemaker of an idea from the beginning. I'm like, what? He says, actually, was a pretty bad idea when you think about it. He says, a few months into the whole thing, after we put a lot of money into it and got jobs excited, we did some back of the envelope on how long it's going to take to render (laughs) the first animated movie in history, full length, in a computer. You know what it was? 20-ish years, okay? So, we had to figure out how to solve that problem. Then we had to figure out, since the promise to Disney was human, human animated characters telling the story, we ran into another technical difficulty that we were gonna have to invent and design 700 facial controllers for every major character. He says, then we had a funding crisis. We realized it couldn't be a kid's movie. It didn't pencil. It'd have to be an adult crossover where that was 75% of the market. He said, then we figured out, guess what? We couldn't write a script to make Disney happy because they were consummate movie makers and we were a tech company, right? Pixar was software and hardware at best. He said, as a matter of fact, on Black Friday, over a year into production, day after Thanksgiving, Disney shut down Toy Story. It was a failure. He goes, I worried the movie would never get made. And he said, I realized something just in the nick of time, and that was we were behaving in a vertical silo called movie making, and that's why we were stuck. He said, So I went and I recruited the most unlikely group of people. We call them the Brain Trust now. I got puppeteers, I got woodworkers, I got economic forecasters, I got adult psychologists. He said, you'd be surprised to be put together on the brain, the brain trust. He said, we got the movie refired. We got the movie made under budget. It went on to be a blockbuster. Here's the punchline. He said, Toy Story was a thousand problems solved. Mm. And you know what that destroys? It destroys a myth of creativity that holds back entrepreneurs like me. And that is that it's all about the big idea and the lone genius. In fact, nothing is about that. Every game changing invention that makes its way to market was a pretty troublesome idea that was executed by a brain trust. And every brilliant idea your friend told you about three years ago that never made it to market was a, quote, big idea that one person tried to do on their own. So just understand that you can accomplish anything in the world if you can just solve every problem in front of you. That's why I'm so passionate about teaching people rapid problem solving.
0: Fire Nation, I hope that you are as excited as I am for the lightning round because of the golden value bombs that Tim's been dropping thus far. They're just going to keep on coming. We're going to take a quick minute first and thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. We're insanely lucky to have the tools and software available today, but let's be real. Looking for the right equipment setup so you can run your business no matter where you are can be tough. As entrepreneurs, we're on the move, sometimes on the road, and sometimes in the office. For equipment with elegant designs that are rugged and travel tested, the HP Business Line is perfect. Whether you're running your business on the go or in the office, they've got you covered. Plus, HP offers industry-leading security with up to a three-year warranty and 20 24/7, 365 free customer support. Get professional advice and anytime support from the ones who know HP products best. Right now, you can get an exclusive offer, 30% off, select HP Business Products. Just visit hp.com slash onfire and enter code FIRE at checkout. That's hp.com slash onfire, code FIRE. To get 30% off, select HP Business Products. If you're looking to scale and grow your business, then it's going to require you to build an amazing team of people around you who can help. Where do you find qualified candidates? At ZipRecruiter.com. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter all with a single click. The best part, once candidates start rolling in, there's no juggling emails or calls. You can quickly screen candidates, rate them, and then hire the right person fast. You can also find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. You just post once and qualifying candidates will start to roll into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. Right now, Fire Nation, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. And one more time, try it free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. So Tim, we're back, and my question for you is, are you prepared
1: for the lightning rounds? So I've, I've had a Red Bull, <laughs> but the bad news is I also had a melatonin because I thought that was my multivitamin. Whoops. So I'm about as ready as Peter Thiel is right now oh, for the Oh my round. goodness, great. <laughs> what was holding you back originally, Tim,
0: from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: Risk tolerance. I didn't want it bad enough to be willing to lose it all in the quest to gain it. What is the best advice you have ever received? Outgive everyone you do business with and you do it with advice. Read more books than anyone you've ever met. You do it with your mornings. What is a personal habit that contributes to your success? I don't go online the first hour I'm awake. I walk my dog instead. I go outside and I rehearse the coming day. Can you share an internet resource like Evernotes with Fire Nation? I won't share my Evernote with you because there's a lot of personal <laughs> stuff there, but I do share it with Anthony Weiner. No, serious answer. Here's an internet resource I love, Rev.com, yes. R-E-V as in Victor.com. It will do transcriptions. It'll also do closed captions because you should never post a video to Facebook that doesn't have captions since no one listens to it. Rev.com was a disruptive startup that reduced the cost of all this dollar a minute of content. That's incredible.
0: And now they brought everybody back down there because like, if you are trying to charge more than a dollar a minute for this stuff, people know that, hey, that's, that's above the market rate. So that's a yep. disruptor. Now, Tim, if you could recommend just one book, and I know this will be tough, but real quick on a side note, Fire Nation, you've heard Tim, his humor, his knowledge, his experience. He wraps all of that in his books. Let me list them real quick. Love is the Killer App, The Likability Factor, Today We Are Rich and deal storming. So, Tim, if you could recommend one book to join those four on
1: our bookshelves, what would that book be and why? I want to recommend the book Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. It's why the best managers make everyone around them better. Very simple idea for a book, and this is important, entrepreneurs, because you're going to have managers in your company. They determine everything. They determine the culture. They determine the outcome. There's two kinds of managers. There's a diminisher and there's a multiplier. If you don't know which one you are, you're probably a diminisher. The diminisher acts like a vice principal. They think they're the smartest person in the group. They try to get people to compete with each other to drive performance. They have twice the regrettable turnover. They ruin your company. They're usually high performance people that never wanted to be a manager, but you thought it was a good idea. The multiplier is a teacher. She stretches people to exceed their expectations. She doesn't hoard headcount. She thinks she can do it with less heads. She's not the genius. She's the genius maker. She wants to hire people that are smarter than her that she'll work for someday. Read this book and understand how to build a culture one good manager hire at a time. Tim. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Let's just end with you giving us the best way that we can connect with you and things that you have going on. And then we'll say goodbye.
1: Come to timsanders.com. You can connect with all my social networks. I accept all of LinkedIn requests from my entrepreneurs. I'm very passionate about your journey. If you thought this thing about rapid problem solving and deal storming was interesting, you can download a 30 page chapter from the new book. It's called Sales Genius as a Team Sport, and you can download it at dealstorming.net front slash free. That's dealstorming.net front slash free.
0: Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you've been hanging out with TS and JLD today, so keep up the heat. And head over to eofire.com, just type Tim in the search bar, his show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. These are the best show notes in the biz, timestamps, links galore to all of Tim's books, and of course, that gift that uh, Tim was talking about just a second ago. Tim, one more
1: time, what was that URL? dealstorming.net front slash free boom and of course TimSanders.com
0: is where you can connect with him more and all of the social and sam i just want to say thank you for sharing your journey with fire nation today for that we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side
1: my pleasure john
0: Hey, Fire Nation, hope you enjoyed our chat with Tim today. And if you're ready to master productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days, visit themasteryjournal.com. I will catch you there, or I'll catch you on the flip side. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses to help find the perfect candidate. Right now, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by heading over to ZipRecruiter.com fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com fire. For equipment with elegant designs that are rugged and travel tested, the HP Business line is perfect. Right now you can get an exclusive offer, 30% off select HP Business products. Just visit hp.com slash onfire and enter code FIRE at checkout. That's hp.com slash onfire, code FIRE. To get 30% off select HP Business products.